Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000 is the number to be on the air. We want you to be on the air. That's the best way for questions and prayer to take place. Uh, where we can talk about it and have follow-up on it. Or if you're in a safe place, you can always text us directly, 720-336-0897. Taking your calls and your questions, allowing the Holy Spirit to really give us insight on what He wants to accomplish in our lives and why He ordained today's show and what is it that uh, he has for us in this particular time. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. Uh, we are going to be gathering together for ministry tonight. We're going to be uh, gathering together at ch- at church, at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. We're on Hampton, one block east of Tower Road, which is basically right across the street from the movie tavern and right across another street from the Safeway. And we'd love to have you come out. Our Wednesday nights um, start at 7 p.m. And tonight we're going to be finishing our verse-by-verse study in 1 Peter. Uh, I intended to finish it last week, but as I was delivering it and teaching it, it felt like I would be rushing through these final verses, and I just didn't want to rush through them. So I developed... You know, took those last few verses of chapter 5 and developed a message that I believe the Holy Spirit wants. So we want you to be together in person. I know the pandemic has changed our mindset about being together in person, um, but it shouldn't. We should be We should be together. God ordained it. God created it. Uh, it's a great opportunity to invite someone, to bring someone with you, uh, to tune into the radio. We broadcast our services live here on Grace FM. Uh, as well as YouTube and Facebook and all those other, all our website, all those other media outlets. But we want you to join us. Uh, and that includes you guys on the East Coast. Uh, 7 o'clock our time, of course, is 9 o'clock your time, uh, and 9 p.m. And you can join us as we worship together, we pray together, and we also study the Bible together. And I'm always encouraged uh, as we are able to uh, come together and fellowship and talk about life and pray about life and learn. You know, we come in to go out. Um, that's why you go to church. You go to church to be equipped. Uh, you know, I think Pastor Chuck Smith uh, taught us well uh, in so many different areas. And one of them was reminding us our purpose as pastors, our purpose to to you. Uh, and And I pray that your pastor subscribes to this as well. Uh, where it says in Ephesians 4, verse 11, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, and that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. That happened to be the NLT and that I opened up, but that's we are to teach you the word, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We are the church. I'm not hired, you know, as a pastor to do the work. I'm a believer too. So I get to do the work as well. So come on out. We'll be there tonight. Shout out to everyone on Hope FM, Truth FM. Even though you're hearing this one week delayed, uh, it's kind of cool. Call in during the show. We'll answer your questions live for everyone listening live. <clears throat> and then we will uh, we'll get to you'll get to hear it on Hope or Truth FM the following week. Uh, it's so good. 303-690-3000. Denver, Colorado, Yesenia, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, I just had a uh, question on prayer. Uh, okay. It, it seems just like the past couple months, well, year, maybe last three years or so, I've been praying for what seems like the same thing, and I feel like I sound like a broken record. I haven't gotten a response yet, but I'm, like, patiently waiting um, but I have a few people that have told me, um, you know, you need to just pray about it and, and let it go, not keep praying about it. Um, but I feel like I need to keep praying about it. I just wanted to see uh, what your thoughts were about prayer. Like if we continue asking the Lord for the same thing over and over um, or just pray about it a few times and then let it go and watch him and just wait patiently. Um, I don't know. I wanted to get your input. I think it's a great question because you have some competing things in the scripture that um, that would be very helpful to to understand. Uh, first of all, in in Matthew's gospel, chapter six, he, Jesus says, "When you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Right? Don't repeat like the unbelievers do, uh, because they think that they'll be heard for their much speaking." So there is insight to what we're supposed to avoid in prayer, where when we're praying, we're not just saying things out loud because we think the more that we talk, uh, the more that God is is obligated to to answer us. You know, we're not we're not babbling, we're not demanding, we're not um, we're, we're not coming to God expecting Him to um, to come and hey, oh, there's Ed repeating so much, I better answer him so he'll be quiet. Um, so on the one hand, we want to be careful that we aren't praying like the heathen. Another thing, the way the heathen do, or let me look it up here in the uh, in the New King James, in it's Matthew six seven. Uh, it says, "When you pray, don't babble." Oh, I'm looking for the here's the New Living. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do, because they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Uh, and so there is a sense where we come to God with the wrong motives, we come to God with the wrong attitude and respect. Jesus says, don't do that. There's a, there, there, there's a way that unbelievers approach God, and there's a way that followers of Christ approach God. Because he says the very next thing, don't be like them, 
for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And then, of course, he begins to teach us, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, which has become a very repetitive prayer, even though Jesus just said, don't make it a repetitive prayer. Um, Now, what I mean by repetitive prayer is, you know, the Roman Catholic Church has taught this as, just say it. It doesn't matter if you mean it, just say it. Uh, Say it over and over again. Um, I don't believe praying it repetitively uh, is necessarily wrong if your heart is in it. You know, if you mean the words then God knows your heart, but you're coming to God, trusting him, knowing that you will be satisfied with his answer um, and and trust him as, you know, the, the father that he is. On the other hand, in Luke chapter 11, verse 8, we have that illustration uh, in, here, let me get to it here, Luke 11, 8. And we have an illustration of a persistent prayer prayer warrior, uh, and one of the reasons that she was answered uh, is because she didn't quit. Um, and so uh, it says, "Which of you shall have a friend?" And Jesus is teaching here, and go to him at midnight and say, "Friend, let me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him." And he will answer from within and say, "Don't trouble me." The door is shut. My children are in bed with me. I can't rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And then Jesus gives the conclusion. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And so your persistent prayer is one that God will is God encourages, but you want to come knowing that the answer from the Father is what you'll settle for. You, I don't know what your friends are trying to to share with you, but I I don't want to discourage people from praying because even as you come, even if you're praying wrong, let's just say you're praying wrong by accident, or you don't quite know, or God's developing your prayer life. The good news is is that you're coming to him, you're talking to him, you're praying and talking to God and laying your burdens before him. And I I just know God honors that, and God answers your prayers according to his will. Thank you. Yeah, it's a prayer over my children. Um, Okay. But it just seems like it's been like a a few years, and I still are not seeing anything change. yeah. So I don't know if it's just not the right time. Like, he'll eventually do it, but it's just not in his timing yet. So, And then I've been told, like, well, if you keep asking for it, that's because you don't believe he's working on it. I've, I've been told. But so then I stopped kind of asking that. Um, but then I feel like I don't want him to forget of what I'm asking for. So if I should start praying that again, um, so I was just wondering. Well, it's unfortunate. I think I'm sure your friends are well-meaning and they love you and care for you, but it seems like everybody has their opinions uh, about our life situations when they're not living through it themselves. So it would be better if they just came to you empathetically, encouraged you, prayed to God with you about your kids, and and left it at that. You know, we 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 can be, and we have to go through these phases. I think, and I know I certainly have gone through my phase where. My opinions are so important to me. They're developed from the Bible. And in the early days of ministry, I was so quick to offer them. 
Um, but, but over the years, as, as I've been tempered by pain and difficulty and, and I've, God has allowed me to mature, I am far uh, less uh, willing to give my opinions. I mean, I'll give my biblical opinions if I'm asked, but if I'm not asked, I'm just going to pray with you, encourage you, uh, and, and maybe your friends would do well with that as well so that you're not all confused. It's okay to pray to God. It's okay to pray for your kids and let the Lord sort out the other parts. Um, I'd rather have you pay, pray wrong than not pray at all. And I don't mean on purpose, like, you know, I'll go ahead and pray wrong the rest of your life. But I mean, your genuine, sincere desire to have what's broken with your kids restored. I mean, however you come to God with that pain, he's going to receive you. The Bible says to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And I don't know that he's, it seems like we're all, we're all so, so ready to get it just right. But the thing that's just right is that you're going to your father. Thank you. That really, that really helps. Thank you so much. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray with my sister for the situation with her kids. Um, and even with her friends, Lord, thank you for these friends that are wanting to give godly advice. And just give her ears to hear, God, what's from you and what's not from you. I mean, I remember with Job, he had his friends, and his friends were truly cared for him, um, but they didn't really reflect what exactly you were doing in Job's life. They had no idea what you were doing in Job's life. And so often, God, we too, we don't know what's going on. I don't know what you're doing in Yesenia's life, but I do know that she's broken and that she desires things to be restored with her kids. And, and she brings these requests. I think of Hannah as she goes to the temple and she's so desperate for you in her prayers that she's mistaken for being drunk. And, and all she wanted was to have a child. And so, God, I pray for you, Sinia. I pray for your perfect will to be done. Whatever's broken, God, I pray that you would bring humility, uh, that what's broken might be fixed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Wow. You know, it, it is good to, um, it is good to come alongside our brothers and sisters uh, and help them. You know, help them along the way. But I, I think we have to step back and, and just admit that we don't know what's going on. We don't know uh, what is going to be accomplished. Um, and so we just we just want the Holy Spirit to lead us and help us to be empathetic. Uh, help us to be empathetic. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. It looks like we're going cross-country to Pennsylvania. Nancy, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my hey, call. You're welcome. Um, okay, so as I'm thinking about it, I think that I, I I was listening to somebody that was explaining that you have the um, the millennial reign, and then you have the new heaven and the new earth into eternity. And okay. so when I was, and then I was, then they were they were talking from Isaiah. So when I went to Isaiah yes. and I was reading um, 65 verse 17, it yes. sounded like he made the new heaven, the new earth. And then it sounds like, then he went on to explain 
what sounds like the millennial kingdom because people will be dying, um, but they will be living long. And so I got confused. Like, I don't know, is the is the new heaven and the new earth, when he comes back, new heaven, new earth, millennial reign, and then another new heaven and earth into eternity? Or is it just one and it happens when he comes back? Or it happens after th- the millennial reign, which doesn't make, which I was having trouble understanding that because of the way it's sequenced in chapter sixty-five. It doesn't sound like it's in that order. Yeah, I think that what's important to to do is to try to put the pieces together. It's one of those. It's one of those truths that's mentioned all throughout the Bible. You know, Isaiah sixty-five and sixty-six, and even Peter talks about it in Second Peter chapter two. Um, even in Revelation, you know, we get a lot of attention in Revelation in the new heaven and earth. There's going to be um, no more, seven things that are no more. No more sea, no more death, no more mourning, no more weeping, no more pain, no more curse, no more night. And and so the, the timing of the new creation, you know, the creation of the new heaven and new earth um, is, I think, after the tribulation, after the Lord's second coming, and after the millennial kingdom, and after the final rebellion, and even after the final judgment of Satan. So when you think of the millennial kingdom, I, I, it is not the full, it, it's almost, I guess you could look at the millennial kingdom as a prelude to the new heaven and the new earth, um, but not quite. Um, you know, you still have, there's still events to take place um, that, are, that are still to come, um, but the millennial period is not the full fulfillment of the new heavens and the new earth. It comes after the millennial period. Okay. Okay. So then it's just that it's not, when he's writing, he's not being sequential. He's not being, um, like in verses 17 and to 19 where it describes it, and then in 20 where it goes back. Correct. Um, because and when on, is, uh, is that, Okay. Well, just just think of the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, that if this might help you as you start thinking through the time time of things, if according to Revelation twenty two, there's no more death, there's no more. Or that's twenty one. In twenty two, it speaks of no more curse. In twenty one, it speaks of no more pain. But at the end of the millennial period, there's a final rebellion of sin. You know that the new heaven and the new earth can't exist yet. Okay, that makes sense. So it's a different time period. Again, people debate on what the time period is, but as you start to put these pieces together, you're like, wait a minute, if there's a final rebellion on the earth after at the end of the millennial period, where sin or people will, will still, after the righteous reign of Christ, will still choose to sin and rebel against him, then it can't be the full fulfillment. I think it's a prelude, kind of like, on a different scale, what we're seeing in the world today, the one world government, the, all the stuff that has been revealed is, is not, we're not, we're not in the fullness of the great tribulation period. Um, but we're getting a sneak peek of what it's like to have an antichrist, what it's like to have a one world currency, what it's like to have a one world government that can move the whole world with one decision. Um, but it's not the fullness. It's just the type. And I think that that's where you see with the millennial period, I put the new heaven, new earth, the new Jerusalem coming, the holy city coming down again and beautifully dressed for her husband in Revelation 21 is still after the millennial period. Okay. 
All right. That makes sense. It's just it's hard to wrap my head around sometimes, but okay. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All Bye-bye. Right, have a good day. All righty. Hey, how about this text that just came in? Someone put our number in. You are due at the Rio Grande Mexican restaurant Boulder in 30 minutes. <laughs> Somebody played a joke. We will block that one. Uh, 303-690-3000. Every single line is open. And please don't do that to our line. Uh, it is reserved for the show. But I know there's some jokesters out there. Maybe it was a, maybe it was uh, an accident which is fine. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. Maybe you have a Bible question. Maybe the Lord's been showing you something in your own devotional life. Perhaps your pastor taught something recently you want to talk about. Um, how are you feeling after the... Uh, things are beginning to reopen, and now they're talking about closing. I was just reading today uh, because we have a trip scheduled in November to take uh, a tour of Israel. It's got postponed from February, but uh, they said they were going to open up the borders in July, and now that's been pushed back to August. Uh, and you know, the, they have new var- variants. It, it's like. Those that are in control do not want to let go of that control. Um, And, you know, besides the reality that COVID, uh, that virus is real, um, it does affect people differently. uh, And, you know, it does magnify pre-existing conditions. Um, It's just, we are... We are um, fragile human beings that need to learn how to walk by faith. And this is one of those seasons to walk by faith. What is the difference between the Lord saying, and this is a text question. Thank you, guys. Uh, come, uh, Go ahead and text me, 720-336-0897. What's the difference between the Lord saying no and wait? The silence is confusing to me. Well, that's really a good question. It's difficult to pin down the distinction and difference between those two. Um, I I guess, how about we use an example of, uh, I'll use a couple examples. Example number one is a young man who is pursuing a young woman and uh, wants to become friends, maybe wants to date, and the young woman, and and he's praying about it, praying about it, praying about it, finally gets enough courage, asks her, would you like to go for a meal? Let's go out, spend some time. And she says, no. Well, that is a definite answer to prayer. You wanted it to happen. You asked God for wisdom, and he used the circumstances to give you a no. If she responded, you know, I'm, I, I'm grateful for you. Uh, I want to pray and ask God for confirmation. Then that, that would be a wait. Uh, I think of uh, my own family when we were moving or uh, moving to plant a church. We wanted the city, uh, the original city we wanted to go to. Uh, we felt like that was from the Lord. Uh, we felt like God wanted us in that other city. When I um, toured that city with my wife and family and another family, uh, it was abundantly clear that the answer was no. And so I think that it's clearer. I think the no's are much clearer than the weights. 
which we don't like that. We we don't like the because we don't like the answer no, then we automatically fight it. But no is no from the Lord. Now, one of the things I love about God is that no now doesn't mean necessarily no forever. And we are wanting through our prayer life to develop a relationship with God in the moment. And if it's no now, then I'm going to live with no now. And I'm going to trust God with the no and move on to what he has for us, uh, what he has for my life. But you're right. The silence is challenging. No doubt. Um, The silence is challenging, but the silence is a good thing uh, because the Bible says, I believe it's Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. The Bible tells us with Elijah when he went into the caves all discouraged and depressed, which is probably a feeling that you have with the silence. You know, it's confusing, but it's also super discouraging that, you know, he had all of that activity, all that noise, but it was God settling him so that he might hear the still, small voice. Um, And that's a good place to be. Bryce, up in Fort Collins, welcome to the program. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bryce. What's up? Good. Hey, I just have a question that's been, I would say, almost haunting me um, for the past year and a half. Um, I grew up LDS. I definitely have called um, once before. And my father's faith was extremely strong in the Mormon Church. He's just the best person you would ever know. Um, And, you know, I know that there's a lot of differences within just Christianity and then, you know, with the LDS organization. And I just—my question that, like I said, has totally been haunting me is, is my dad's faith— and his understanding in Jesus Christ for what he knows, is that enough to save him? Um, like, is that enough to, you know, be saved by Jesus? I mean, I know, like, his faith is so strong. And there are so many similarities, you know, with the Church um, of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, and then uh, Christianity. And I've been going to Calvary for the past few months, and I'm just very anxious to know if, you know, that faith is still accepted by Jesus Christ, though he may have been, you know, um, more so swayed towards the LDS community. Well, the differences between the LDS theology and and historic Christianity are are pretty stark. Um, They're pretty different. Um, The essence of the teachings of the Mormon Church or the Mormon religion— uh, is centered around the definition of who Jesus is and who the Father is and their polytheistic view. It's it's a real dangerous theology that I would want everyone that's in it now to reconsider um, and consider the teachings of Jesus compared to the teachings of Joseph Smith. But setting that apart for your dad, I, I think that the way that you get outside of the haunting, because your conclusion is right, you have, you have a reason to be concerned about your dad. There, there are true reasons to be concerned. And the only comfort that I would draw in a time like that, whether it's somebody with a Mormon religion or someone that just refused God their whole life, um, whatever category they might be, I, I need to trust that God will deal with them faithfully. I, I want to trust that God is just. I, wa- I, I don't want to. I'm going to trust that God is just. He is fair. 
And I know 100% that your dad will be treated fair and just by the God of all the universe. And to delve into, now that he's passed away, to delve into what his eternal state will be, um, it's better to talk to people that are alive right now that are involved within Mormonism to get out and to trust in the real Jesus. But let your comfort and trust not be in the knowledge of where your father might be or might not be, but let your faith and trust be in God being fair, holy, and righteous. And when you and I are standing before God and he sorts it all out, we will agree with him on all the decisions that he made. So I want you to hold on, Bryce, because the time caught up to us. So I want to pick this conversation up on the other end of the break, okay? We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Stick with us. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to everyone to the second half of the program. I'm super, always surprised how fast the the clock catches up to us. Uh, we don't have a lot of breaks. We only have one break so we can talk through and have some real meaningful conversations. So I'm glad that you joined us. If you're listening on Grace FM up and down the front range, welcome, welcome. We're glad that you're with us. If you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM, we are grateful you're there. Of course, everyone online, um, you're with us right now. And we had a uh, a great conversation, um, a hard one, but good nonetheless, that Bryce uh, calling up, calling from up north in Fort Collins. Hey, Bryce, are you still with me? I sure am. Thank you. You know, I, I, I was thinking a little bit more on this question and just thinking how easily I could give you false hope if I said something that would say, well, you know, kind of because of this, and I don't want to give you false hope in me. I don't want to give you false hope in what might happen. That and and I really believe that you, your the 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 place where this question will stop haunting you, is directly at the place where you trust God with the eternal state of your dad, with the eternal state of yourself. Because you know you're right. Um, Mormonism uses a lot of the same language uh, of Christianity, but they just redefine it all. You know, there here are five things that are really problematic about Mormonism. One, God came from another planet. Number two, God is a man with body, a body of flesh and bones. Two, or number three, that, that there is a mother goddess. Four, that God and his goddess wife are married and that that's a promise in the future for every true Mormon. Uh, and that fifthly, Mormons can become little gods. And, you know, it just doesn't line up with the scriptures. And, and so we're going to trust God with whatever whatever it is your dad in relation to relationship to God is we're just going to trust him that he's going to be fair right and just okay yeah that's really good so what, it's hard what, this is what a hard one of, it definitely is hard um do you maybe have any advice that maybe could help me with at least communicating with the family of mine that is so involved with the Mormon religion because, you know, they just, they're just so set in their ways. And 
You know, my dad was buried a certain way, and, um, you know, and it all had to do, it was right next to the Bountiful Utah Temple, and it was, you know, a certain degree of land that he had to be facing, and it just didn't totally make sense to me, but I just wonder what type of faith, you know, I mean, I I just don't know what That's a great question. I want to recommend a book to you. We should have it in the bookstore uh, at the church. If not, you can order it anywhere. It's called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons. Reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons. And that little tool will help you not only unfold some of the things that have been handed down to you uh, in your understanding and, and how you perceive Mormonism, but also to your family. And you'll see there's very, like like the two are not compatible in any way. Even though they sound the same, they kind of look right. the same, it's but they're deceiving. not compatible. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're not the same. And that's the right word, isn't it? Deceiving. Um, that's what deception does. It it covers up the truth in a lie. And and right. then it's kind of a partial. But the, the biggest issue, you know, we could go through line after line after line, which that particular um, book will do. And the reason I like the resources, this is a guy by the name of Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. The um, mm-hmm. reason I like his resources is he's not attacking people. He's not attacking Mormonism. He's laying out the, the, the truth of the Bible and then asking really good, open-ended questions. Um, because the Mormons have it wrong with God the Father. The Mormons have it wrong with the Trinity. The Mormons have it wrong with Jesus. The Mormons have it wrong with the Holy Spirit. They have it wrong with how a person is saved. They have it wrong with the Bible and how they approach the Bible. You know, they leave it to their own interpretation. And they are a very popular modern-day cult. Uh, I know people are uncomfortable with that word, but that's what it is. It is It is a heretical sect that... Uh, misrepresents Christianity. And so it's better, you know, again, we're going to trust God with your dad and and how that all gets sorted out because we're not with somebody in their last moments. It would be that it would be very similar. If you asked me to oversee his memorial, I wouldn't give false hope to everybody about his condition. I would just talk about the opportunities that your dad has faced over the years. And I mean, there is, who knows how he dealt with things on his deathbed? Who knows? Um, we don't know. And so we're just going to trust God. We know that Mormonism, if you're alive right now, is something to flee, to get out of, to consider. You know, it was it was uh, Brigham Young himself that said, he said, take up the Bible and compare the religion of the Latter-day Saints with it and see if it will stand the test. He said that back in 1873, and I think that's a good thing to do. So interesting. I think we lost you, Bryce. I'm sorry. Are you still there? Oh, there you are. You're back. Yes, I missed um, everything you just said. <clears throat> yeah, no, I was just saying he grew up Catholic and he almost, yeah. you know, he respected the It's just interesting to see how strong his faith had grown within the Mormon church. It's, I don't want to say this, and in a, in a, in a, I, I don't want to bash anybody out there, but it almost sounded, you know, like he was almost brainwashed, you know? Because, I mean, I grew up with him in the Mormon, you know, with the Mormon Church. We were converts, and so it's yes. just, 
there's been many times where I have questioned things, even at a young age, like 12 to 14 years old, I was questioning things. And it was like they had all the answers for me, um, but it was within the life of Joseph Smith. And so that's almost like, you know, the, the quote-unquote, like, cult that you not not quote-unquote. I mean, the, the definition of cult, I mean, that just sure. answers a lot of questions. But at the same time, I trust my father in so many ways. And so I'm of just course. concerned that, you know, world just caught up to him in that aspect. And it, it always has concerned me because now that I've branched out from the Mormon Church and have, you know— solidified my understanding within the Bible and going to Calvary, you know, and just understanding that aspect. Um, it's just allowed me to have a, a stronger, a much more stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm just nervous that, you know, my father may not have had that on earth, you know, but it's in the afterlife. I just pray that, you know, he's at least, blessed with what, you know, his faith did match up to be. Like, he tried. You know what I mean? I mean, so it, it makes me nervous, and I've always just had that question. Well, we know that God doesn't save people because they tried or because they were good. I remember having to deal with this with my own dad. My dad was a very good man, very moral, very upright. You could even say that because he went to church you know, years earlier, he might have even considered himself a Christian or maybe back then a Presbyterian. Um, but I remember having to sit down with him and sharing with him from the Bible what it what's required to be born again. Because Christianity can do this too. Like you can even have, like Mormonism is not Christianity. They have They have false beliefs and you can really dig into the false beliefs and never make it to heaven. But, you know, Christian groups can do the same thing, but they can have all the right information and apply it differently. They can say that you must be saved. Like, for example, um, the the reality of a legalistic church that says, just follow my rules and regulations and you'll be saved. Well, that's wrong. No following, no rules and regulations will save anyone. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross, God in human form, who is eternal, coexistent with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Only faith in Him can a person be saved. And so I think that as you continue to grow through the grief and the pain of losing your dad and now considering, you know, where is he eternally, that you can just begin in your prayer time to repeat, instead of letting it torment you, you can offer it to God and say, man, Lord, I don't know. I mean, I know what Mormonism teaches, and I know my dad was an inherent, and I and I acknowledge to you, God, that Mormonism holds to the wrong God. I believe that. However, I don't know where my dad is, and I'm going to trust you to be fair and honest and with him. And I think if you change your thinking that way, God will take away the torment, uh, and you'll be able to look at the good things about your dad and the things that you enjoyed. And even there's some model, you know, even some things he modeled for you, like commitment, like tenacity, um, even if it was in a direction that wasn't biblically helpful, um, you can you can value those characteristics in him because now you see the light, and God's going to begin to use you to teach the truth within your family. I I definitely have a lot of faith in that, and. You know, I look forward to having the right words to say, you know, after prayer and, you know, just, just acknowledge my family. 
yeah, it's going to take some time. You know, it's sure. not going to happen overnight. Um, but now that it's out loud, now that you've said it out loud, that you've asked it out loud, the Holy Spirit's going to do a new work with it so that you can continue to live your life to glorify God. And like I said, of all the inequities and all the injustices that we've experienced on earth, we know that we're in the presence of God. There will be no inequity. There will be no injustice. And we will fully agree with every decision that God has ever made, which is pretty amazing to think. I mean, that's that's incredible. a pretty amazing thing to think because, you know, we've we've experienced nothing but the, the ravaging effects of sin. Um, but then in the presence of the Lord, he's going to right all those wrongs. It's going to be something very special. So let me pray for yes. you. Father, I pray for my sister Bryce and um, just anyone else that's in her shoes, you know, that are going through similar processing, very similar things. Um, I pray, God, that you would build her faith and that you would remove the torment uh, that she's been dealing with. The, 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 real, the real difficulty as now her eyes are opened to a tr- the reality of truth compared to the way she was raised and all of the things that, God, have been troubling her. I pray that you would strengthen her and comfort her troubled heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Let's go back now to Denver, Colorado. Michelle, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, Quick question. So I was attending a Presbyterian church for about four years and loved the church, loved the people, loved the music. I mean, I was really, I really enjoyed it, but um, it was a Calvinist church, and I really didn't understand what that meant. Um, And when I was talking to one of the uh, pastors over the phone one day, and I asked him, are you a Calvinist church? And he said, yes, we do follow those beliefs. And he tried to explain it to me. And the only thing I really got from it was that they, and correct me, please, if I'm wrong, because I really want to get a grasp of what it means to uh, be in a Calvinist church. But um, he said that they, I guess they believe that God decides who is saved as opposed to we come to our own free will. We come to Christ um, on our own free will. But can you just explain to me? What is Calvinism and why it's not so great? Well, Calvinism is a, is a system of theology that has been built around by the, a man by the name of Calvin. Uh, I think it was John Calvin was his name. And de- not necessarily developed specifically from him. He kind of gave the, the, the beginning essence of it. And then, and then one, of, one of his disciples really developed it after him. And and you could you could say they they summarize Calvinism into five points. They use the word tulip to to describe that. They believe in the T standing for total depravity. Two, the unconditional election. Three, limited atonement. Four, irresistible grace, and five, perseverance of the saints. And a real general view of of those. Some people could say, well, I believe in that, and I believe in that, but I don't believe in that one. But Calvinism can't be, it, it really, you can't be a four or three or four point Calvinist. It has to be all or nothing, because the essence is is in the total depravity. Um, and that total depravity 
is in reality that man can do absolutely nothing. He is dead in his trespasses and sins, so he cannot at all communicate with God or be saved. That uh, a typical view of Calvinism would say that a man must be born again by God without his knowledge until he can be born again and even participate in in life with Christ. Uh, and there are different shades. There are, you know, Calvinists in the mainstream. There are Calvinists that might be liberal to some degree. And then there are what they call hyper-Calvinists that believe not only in con- uh, unconditional election, like God chooses those who be saved, but he also chooses those that will go to hell and don't they never have a choice um, which is extremely problematic and challenging when you open up the scriptures um, because there are many times uh, that God Jesus himself will put out a general call to people whosoever will let him come and that's a pretty big call uh, and I'm I'm being very simplistic I know the Calvinists listening in are going no no it's more difficult than that but I am purposely being um, simplistic because the thing about Calvinism is it can be so complex that when somebody explains it to you, you're like, oh, I guess it's so complex. I never knew the truth before. And you start to trust somebody just because it's complex. But the Bible is not complex. I don't believe you'll find nowhere in the Bible ever that God sends someone to hell and that they didn't have any choice whatsoever, that they were created for the fires of hell with no option whatsoever. Uh, and and therefore, we as a church, we we deny Calvinism. We are not we are not Calvinists. Um, we do not ho- subscribe to that system of theology. Uh, and sometimes you also hear Calvinism put up against Arminianism. Um, but I believe that it's ne- we're neither Arminius or Calvinists. Um, we believe that that we we believe that we're saved by grace through faith it's not of our works but it's the gift of god and that somehow god condescends to our level and honors a free will choice that we make and how that all happens behind the scenes you know there's a mystery still resolved to that but i i don't believe that god has created us without free will i mean the idea of total depravity if we can't re if we can't um, respond to god in any way then i mean by logic you can't deny him either you can't live in perpetual mm-hmm. denial. Um, like if you're dead, you can't do anything. But according to the Calvinists, you're dead, and all you can do is deny God. So I guess we do have some kind of free will. We we are able to freely cooperate with our sinful nature and never believe in God. So it, it there's so many logical holes in it that the longer you talk to a, a Calvinist, the more challenging it becomes because they've got an answer for every single um there's an answer. That's what's attractive about that theology. There's an answer for every single objection. Well, it was confusing. I never even understood. I didn't even know I was going to a church like this. And then um, I was listening to, you might know who he is. His name's Greg Jackson. He's here in Colorado. Um, he's a writer and a Christian, and but he does a big YouTube channel. And he okay. talks about Calvinism all the time. And about how, you know, same same view, just exactly what you just said. And I was just like, okay, if nobody told me, if I didn't even hear Greg Jackson talk about it, I wouldn't know I was going to a Calvinist church. I wouldn't right. know even what that meant. 
and I kept thinking about it and praying about it. It was gnawing on me. I was like, I don't think I should be going here. But their services, if to me, I mean, it was just like a regular, normal service. Nobody ever really talks about that kind of stuff. You just go in, and it's like a regular Christian church service. Sure. And then you kind of dove a little bit deeper, and it wasn't settling well with me. And finally I decided, you know what, I don't think this is, even though I don't have the right definition. I, when I did speak to one of the pastors over the phone, he did, and he talked about the whole free will and God decides who, sure. just what you said, goes to heaven, who goes to hell. And I said, but that doesn't seem right. And we kind of had a conversation about it, but... Um, I don't know. I did leave the church, um, but I just kept hearing that term. I didn't know exactly what it meant, but it's kind of like you gave me a really good understanding. The Calvinist well, email me, email me after the call, and I'll send you a little pamphlet that we use here that helps give some direction because Calvinism definitely falls within the pale of orthodoxy. Uh, Calvinists will be in heaven. Um, and, and mo like, like, you know, famous Bible teachers are Calvinists. Most of the guys like Spurgeon and, um, geez, uh, thinking through all of the main, uh, theologians of the years, you know, from Augustine all the way through to modern day guys like Alistair Begg and John MacArthur, they're all reformed or, you know, they would consider themselves Calvinists. And, and when they're teaching the Bible, uh, it's a phenomenal, they're phenomenal teachers. When they begin to emphasize Calvinism, well, then you run the risk. And I, I don't stand in judgment on them. I, I just say you run the risk of, of emphasizing man-made theology like the Pharisees did um, over and above the, the simple teaching of Jesus, which was such a, you know, there was a church before Calvinism. Just put it that way. Um, the church existed before the Reformation. And so if we're going to develop um, doctrine, we've got to we've got to be able to sit there and say, you know what, the early church they did not live under Calvinistic teachings. Um, that's a modern day invention, and and so it's not like everything is wrong, but the sense that there's enough where Calvinism has a tendency to cause division. Um, I don't think it you were unsafe in that church. I don't think you um, were following false teaching in that church. But you do get to a place of maturity where you think, you know, if they were teaching that God predestined some to go to hell, I just don't, that just doesn't sound like the heart of God um, at all, especially in the new covenant. If Jesus died, then what did he die for? If, you know, 90% of the population have no choice in the matter and can never be saved, then what, what was the purpose? Jesus died just for a few people? That doesn't make any sense. And how do we grow and build our what's the point of growing and building our relationship with christ if it's already predestined and right? I, I agree you know there, there are deeper issues because i have taught on predestination so you can go to our teachings in romans and get a different viewpoint i do believe in predestination i do believe in the sovereignty of god uh, because the bible teaches that what what i think the disagreement is is the definition and how it gets played out but I, I believe in the sovereignty of God, absolutely, and the idea, and and it is challenging, you know, to think to ask the questions that you're asking. Um, but the reality is, is it just becomes a very divisive thing in the body of Christ, and uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, and I felt, I mean, I didn't feel deceived or anything, but I felt like very naive, and I felt like, how do I not know this? Like, how how am I just 
going to this church and I don't even have this understanding. And it wasn't until I kept, I heard you talk about it, heard Greg Jackson talk about it. And I, I know, it, I knew it wasn't good and I shouldn't probably be doing it or going there, but I couldn't really figure it out on my own. I couldn't, you know, because honestly, there was only one thing the whole time I went there that I really didn't agree with. And that was, the pastor said, that we will all be in the we will all be in the tribulation and we will probably die for our christianity he did not believe in pre-trip he believed in post-trip like we will go through the tribulation and we will die and that's exactly what he said for our faith well and you know that is a that again once again that is an acceptable view within orthodoxy it's just a view I disagree with. And I can, you know, again, both of us can make very strong biblical arguments for them. Um, but the reality is, is that we got to stick to what our convictions are and then make room for those that disagree. Well, I will email you. Thank you. I listen to okay. you all the time. I appreciate Wonderful. It. And then you could read this and see what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. I will. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number, 303-690-3000. Yeah, you know, uh, very challenging topics today. Let's go over to Stu in Colorado. Stu, welcome to the program. Uh, we lost you, Stu. That's okay. That happens. Where are we? Uh, let's see here. Brianna, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Um, before I ask my question, I'd like to say a huge thank you. Um, between you and um, Pastor Lloyd Pulley, in New mm. um, was born again through listening to you guys on Hope <laughs> FM. So thank That's you fantastic. so much for all that you do. <laughs> well, you broke you broke up when you who was born again? Me. Oh, well, that's even yep, better. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to text Lloyd directly and let him know. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I will do that. Sweet. Thank you. Oh, um, you're welcome. So I was wondering if um, our loved ones actually do look over us or watch over us after they pass away. I know that's something people say at funerals a lot, and I was wondering if there yeah. was anything biblical to back that up. You know, there isn't anything biblical to back that up, although there there are some, some passages that are used, uh, like since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews, some people would point out that, hey, there's a cloud of people watching over us, but there's really no evidence in the scriptures of our loved ones watching over us during this time period. There, there's nothing that says they aren't either. Uh, like there's nothing that says, but you have to come to this, you have to come to these conclusions like, man, what would it be like in the presence of God watching wicked, sinful, watching, you know, your families continue to grieve, mourn. Like it just seems like there would be a disconnect by being in the presence of Jesus worshiping him in his fullness and then watching the um, affairs of man on the earth, you know, just watching the difficulty and hardship and all the consequences of sin. So I say all that to say there's really no definitive answer to that. Uh, the Bible doesn't say they do, and the Bible doesn't say anywhere where they don't. Um, we do know there's one instance where Jesus was talking about 
the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man was in that place of torment, and and he he asked Abraham, remember, he said, send somebody to my family that's not saved. So he had knowledge after the fact. Uh, there, it's not like you the people that that die and go into the present lose their consciousness of who they are and who their family is. And in this case, there's instance where they he knows that they're not with him. So um, there, there's an interesting insight to eternity. And um, but there's really no definitive answer. I want to recommend to you a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Uh, he does a really good job on laying out a possibility that it's that it's true. Um, he makes a good biblical point, um, but the Bible doesn't really say either way. Uh, thank you for that. And then um, just a quick prayer request for um, my boyfriend. Um, okay. He's really struggling with getting close to the Lord. Like I've, I was born again through listening to. Um, you guys on the radio, but yes. he's really struggling with that um, is. and doesn't okay. seem to be all that able to. All right, well, let's pray for him because we got seconds left. So, Father, I pray and are rejoicing for the work of radio in Brianna's life, for her newfound faith in you. And we also pray for her boyfriend, God. This is a shock and a challenge, and it, it brings up so many difficulties in this relationship. I pray you'd give Brianna wisdom on how to move forward and bring her boyfriend to a place of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you tonight, 7 p.m. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.